packed show today. Gambling, shout outs. Uh, I'm going to run through the Rams Bills game. It was my favorite game of the weekend. Uh, and then we got a special guest because my co host is out. I'm trying out a new co host. My co host is doing his day job. And an old friend stops through to hand out some Sunday awards in Rob Ninkovich. So, without further ado, let's get it going. Happy Monday afternoon, everybody. This is the Green Light Pod. I'm your host, Chris Long, and I'm all alone. That's right, my trusty co-host is missing. Milk box for making Gunner. He's actually slinging MLS. Uh, I don't know what that stands for. It's maybe multiple listing sales. Usually he would tell me I'm wrong or laugh at my stupid jokes, but uh, I'm not sure. It's a real estate term. He's pushing single-family homes. Uh, he's out for the day. We're going to have him every other day uh, for the rest of the season. So I did get one message on the hotline, though, that, that seemed a little out of place. Howdy, Chris. This is Nathan from Texas. I love your show. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Hey, my question is, that uh, Thursday night time machine, your co-host Macon Gunner nearly hit the score exactly, and you said, if I remember correctly, that you would eat a bowl of mayonnaise if the Miami team won by more than two scores. So I'm wondering, are you eating that bowl of mayonnaise on the Friday program, or will you not hold up your end of the bargain as per usual? Appreciate you. Y'all take care. <laughs> It's a weird message. It really sounds like Macon, and it almost sounded like the guy said his name was Macon, but he was from Texas. I think he was trying to say Nathan. It came out, uh, it came out Macon, which is very appropriate because it sounds a lot like my co-host. But what that guy was asking about was uh, me eating mayonnaise. That was the punishment from uh, our Thursday night Time Machine, uh, the meltdown I had last week where I was so confident that I set the line at plus 15 for the Jags. And I said if, uh, well, it was plus 14. If, if the Dolphins won by more than two touchdowns proper, I was going to eat a small bowl. Small was a word that I was really happy I slid in there of mayonnaise. I fucking hate mayonnaise. Can't eat mayonnaise. It disgusts me. I'm nauseous thinking about it. My mouth's starting to water, but not because I'm hungry. It's kind of starting to water because I'm thinking about vomiting. And I'm going to have to eat some mayonnaise this, uh, this Friday on the Friday show. I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to do it alone. I need support. Uh, and please, one more time, the really, the cocaine white mayonnaise, not the off yellow mayonnaise. I don't know anything about mayonnaise. I know that I just see it sometimes and it looks disgusting. I'm way happier eating a small bowl of mayonnaise than a, a sandwich with a cold cut and mayonnaise on it. That's the most disgusting sight in the food kingdom. It's disgusting. I don't know how you, you people eat that stuff. It's just gross. Um, also, down 
three games out of three <laughs> to make in uh, in Thursday Night Time Machine as a whole. And as you guys found out last weekend, if I'm worse than making at predicting these scores, which so far has been the case uh, on Thursday night, and if you're going to be bad at predicting any scores, Thursday night football is probably the game because it's just chaos. Uh, if that happens and this trend continues and I lose the season, I have to spend 24 hours in, in a Waffle House. I'm not even afraid to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House, really. Uh, I might even be entertained by what goes on at 2 a.m. I'll get a lot of work done. I'll be productive. Waffle House has some nice options on the menu. It was funny the other day, I, uh, my lovely wife Meg and I were going mattress shopping and uh, we pull into the shopping complex and there's the Waffle House. A day after, uh, I go down 0-3 to my co-host Macon, who does not watch as much football as me. Um, so either he watches it really efficiently <laughs> or the moral of the story is don't watch football because it clouds your brain when it comes to predicting games. Speaking of that, gambling was a roller coaster ride yesterday. Boy, oh boy, was it. Um, you know, it's, um, it hit me, and I haven't been out of football this long. I tweeted this yesterday. I haven't been out of football this long, but I think that, you know, sun going down, Sunday scaries, the 60 minutes preview on CBS with the ticker. When you hear that noise, that's like when you're chasing late in the day and you're, and you're down big or moderately big and you're just hemorrhaging units. Uh, that's kind of like the football player's version of, or it's the gambler's version of a football player waiting for a coach to come in the locker room after a bad loss. It's just the impending doom of that moment. You know, dusk, Sunday, you're chasing. That stopwatch comes on. I'm like, make it stop. Make it stop. I'm just so... I'm so out of sorts. And yesterday was one of those days. Listen, let me run you through this. The predicament, which I'll get to in a little bit in the Philly game, was I have big bucks, many units, on Cincinnati's win total, which was set at five and a half. Now keep in mind, they already uh, blew an opportunity at winning a very winnable game one, lose the Browns. And then yesterday, I'm kind of thinking... Okay, there's a bright side no matter what happens. Obviously, I want the Eagles to win. My allegiance is to the Birds, so I root for the Birds. But the consolation prize is if they don't win, we're one win closer to me bringing home a sizable amount of money. Of course, neither thing happened. Uh, also, I had, uh, I had the Chargers, the Justin Herberts, in a teaser. So all I needed them to do was win by half a point. I teased him with Green Bay plus nine for a unit or two. And, of course, I probably don't deserve Eckler to catch that pitch, but in the moment, I really felt like I could have used it. And if anybody watched the end of the game, Eckler could have walked in. Whatever next-gen stats is good for, they say it was a 70% chance he walks in. I'm going to put it at like 85. Of course he didn't catch the pitch. I'm sorry, Austin. It was my fault. I had money on the bolts. And then in, in the, the biggest twist of irony the entire Sunday for, for your boy, I'm sitting there on the couch. And Foles just comes in and murders a huge parlay that the Falcons were the last leg of. 
I had the Falcons in a five-team parlay. And, of course, my personal friend, Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP, rides his horse out onto the field (laughs) and just lays waste to my Sunday. But it's a mixed feelings thing. I mean, I'm happy for the guy. I might even be a Bears fan now. Even though I put it all on the pack last night and damn near got it back, and by the way, last year they made me look really smart, me saying they weren't that good. This year they're going to make me money, okay? I've said uncle on the pack. Of course I'm getting ready to watch that game, and I'm nervous, and I'm trying to keep it together. My lovely wife's watching with me. Mike Tirico with the kiss of death immediately. Well, the Saints came back from Vegas uh, like most of America this week. Losers. And I was like, fuck you, Mike. I mean, seriously. Fuck you. To give me that middle finger when you know I'm hurting, to just twist the knife and call me a moron, nobody calls me a moron. Mike Tirico doesn't call me a moron. I feel like he was speaking to me. Well, guess what, Mike? The Packers pulled it out. All in all, I paid to watch football yesterday. um, And it was so good in a lot of ways that it shouldn't have been free. It couldn't have been free. So I'm doing the justification thing. I paid to watch ball. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, there were some really crazy sequences. A lot of close ball games. Yesterday was the day that I felt like football was back. You know, the injury thing settled a bit. Um... There were crazy finishes, like four dogs, one outright. It was just chaos. And uh, the bank account is reflective of that. A lot of fun, though. A couple shout-outs. Akeem Hicks, huge sack on third and seven. That forced a uh, missed field goal. It was 26-10 at the time. The Bears' defensive tackle has been one of the most dominant inside rushers in the game, one of the most dominant players, period, across defensive lines in the NFL the last few years. And we pay so much attention to Khalil Mack and now Robert Quinn as well. That is a hell of a defensive line. And Akeem Hicks, I don't know. That sack on third and seven that ends up in a missed field goal could make the game 29-10. I know that the Bears probably could have won anyways. They proved that. Um, But a team going down three scores, like getting in a hole like that, it's going to be really hard to keep your psyche in a healthy place. Uh, So there's a big difference between 16, two touchdowns, and two-point conversion. They didn't know that they'd need to score three times uh, at that point, but it sure helped the mindset of that team. So I also love seeing Steven Means out there getting a lot of action on the other side for the uh, lowly Falcons, but that's my guy. All right, Steven Means, if you're an Eagles fan, used to terrorize South Philly for years in obscurity. Nobody saw it. But I saw him kick the asses of some of the best O-linemen in football uh, on the Eagles practice squad. And then we'd go out and see him in in preseason dominate yearly. I mean, I remember one game, he had like four sacks, and on the fourth one, he ends the game and, you know, does his big like pound the ground celebration right as he does it fireworks i mean like the guy's a legend the guy's a a philly legend in my book and it's good to see him getting some burn in atlanta i mean he 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 had an acl i think and and now he's he's getting a lot of snaps so good for him also obj with the finger wag obj broke up a pass as if he was a defensive back 
and he did it really well. I mean, it looked really natural. Uh, good heads up play for him there. Also, the Browns' first winning record since uh, 2016 at this point. Stephon Diggs, big shout out to him. Okay, two touchdowns got called back consecutively. Uh, one on a review, I believe it was. One was negated because of uh, penalty. And that's really tough. The only thing I can I can compare that to is being a pass rusher and getting a sack wiped off because of a penalty, which is the worst feeling in the world. You work so hard. I'm sure it's the same thing as a, as a receiver, getting in the end zone, getting a quarterback down. To see that wiped away really sucks. To see it wiped away twice, you feel snake bit. The good thing is the guy's catching balls left and right. Uh, I had one call back the year I had 13. I should have had 14. I actually think I should have had 15. I had two call back. And that's a bad feeling. Big shout out to the fullback in Oakland. This is in true fullback analysis fashion. I, I can't even recall the guy's name, but I'm a big fan of him. I mean, he hurdled a guy yesterday, and that's less than a week after he scored the first touchdown in Las Vegas home team history. Best week for a fullback? calendar week in uh, in NFL history? I don't know. Uh, but it's got to be up there. Final shout out, Kelly Pugh. Uh, Kelly Pugh, you guys might not, not have heard of Kelly, but one of my favorite trainers of all time I've ever worked with. Uh, she's a UVA fixture, a staple with the football program, and she got to break the rock after our big win over Duke this weekend. By the way, we've got a... Uh, a young wide receiver you might want to take a look at. The guy's six foot seven. He's a true freshman. He is a man among boys out there. Grown man. But shout out to Kelly. We love Kelly. The one big game that I was really excited to talk about today, I mean, there were a few exciting marquee matchups yesterday, but these were two teams that admittedly I haven't been able to watch as much of. I mean, I saw LA uh, in prime time playing... Dallas with one eye on the game as I'm studying for the pod. I, I also watched them beat up on my Eagles, but I'm looking at the Eagles. And the Bills, to be honest, I had watched the All-22 sparingly, but I also wasn't going to I wasn't going to get carried away with a Dolphins win and a Jets win. This was the game I'm looking forward to because the Rams have me saying, mea culpa, I was wrong pretty early in the season. This team looks more like the 2018 Rams, if you've heard that a hundred times over the last two weeks, um, I wouldn't be surprised. The Bills are really good, and the Bills don't blow that lead with fans in the stands. I really don't think that. Uh, that would have been the belly of the beast with uh, filled with Buffalonians. Is that how you say that? Buffalonians? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but they would have been rowdy, and that would have been a hell of a, a path to have to walk for a team that just flew across the country from the East Coast and back. Uh, it was a big culture clash, okay? It's a quarterback clash. One guy's great off script. One guy's like color inside the lines. Um, and I think me being a color outside the lines guy, and I guess most of America, you're more drawn to a Josh Allen. But it's a build that's been really gradual in Buffalo, maybe the most honest build in football versus a build that's been kind of a roller coaster ride. You've had ups and downs. Sean McVay's kind of figured things out. Goff's been bad. He's been good. The O-line's been bad. It's been girly. It's been running back by committee. It's been offensive team. It's been a defensive football team. It's interesting because this weekend you look at it, Buffalo's in the top five in offense and the Rams are top five in defense. 
and not the other way around. The defensive powerhouse is good at offense, and the offensive powerhouse is good at defense. Josh Allen is a roller coaster ride where they give you meth before you get on it. I mean, you got to be tall enough to ride, and you got to hit the, I don't know how they say that in meth circles, but you got to have some of this ice, man. You got to have some of the ice before you get on the roller coaster. He's, he's, he's the crazy, but really hot chick. I mean, he's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be fun at times, but it's also going to be terrifying. And the last drive is proof, okay? The first play, and to set the table, obviously, for those of y'all who didn't see the game, 28-3, the, uh, the Rams find themselves down in the second half, which is, I should have seen it a mile away. <laughs> the most dangerous fucking lead in sports. And they, they're down 28-3 after the half. Um, they're down 21-3 at the half. They got jumped in Buffalo, okay? And coming into the game, the Rams, you know, you worry about the travel, you worry about the East Coast, the early starts, but Sean McVay's averaged like 35 points since he's been in LA when he plays in these East Coast early starts. So I'm not worried about them scoring, but they got jumped, okay? And maybe it's weird playing in Buffalo. It's kind of like playing in Green Bay right now. Somebody pointed this out to me. It's like, could it be weirder than playing in a tiny town with nobody in the stands. It might have just been sleepy, I don't know. But they got jumped, they found themselves down, they come back and take the lead. And then our, our guy, Josh Allen's got one chance to drive the field. And this seemed like the moment, okay? MVP talk, Bill's Super Bowl talk the entire first half, the entire you know first couple weeks. This is that like, okay, go prove it moment uh, against a good defense. And he's already proved it enough through the three games and then you know now through through a really dominant game versus the Rams but first play he's spinning around like a drunk he's holding the, the fucking rock like it's a nerf ball sacked for a loss of 11 and now it's second and 22 he killed the the decent field position they have and it's almost like he was like no nah, I don't like this field position I gotta mess it up then he's running towards the sideline fucking freaking out like he's getting stung by bees I swear he looks like he's getting stung by bees it just out of control, incomplete into traffic, but kind of like a beautiful throw. Then you've got third and 22 to Beasley, and yikes, Rams, uh, he converts. Then he's going to bail backwards out of the pocket, just grabbing people's face masks and just shaking them like he's an aggressive peewee football coach, backpedaling. It's a grown man thing, though. I've actually never seen that. And he still throws the ball. It's so casual to me. Third and 25, 30 seconds ago, he hits Diggs. Fourth and nine, uh, and this is the call. And that's another big yikes, but we can get back to that in a minute. He hits Croft, it's 35-32, and the rest is history. I mean, it's a nice little loft, and Croft was open all day yesterday, by the way. We'll get to that as well. There were calls, okay, yes. Uh, there was also an awful interception call earlier that led to points on the other side. So that's the way this thing goes. And by the way, shout out to Dave Damashek who said that Buffalo is America's team. He looks to be correct getting that call uh, in the final moments of the game. And, and I think that call was way less irritating to watch than that interception. Both offenses took turns kicking defenses' asses. Both defenses were in the matrix at different times. They just took turns. Buffalo went first. I mean, look at their drives. First drive, I think it was three and out. Second drive, 
you know, it's a touchdown. You see why Josh Allen is really special in this drive. There's one play that people didn't notice. But if you did, if you were a rusher, you hated it because Ebukam is unblocked and Allen has him on his, I think he had him on his blind side. I'm not positive, but either way, tough tackle, but also a tough thing to get out of for Josh Allen. And he makes him whiff and throws a strike. Uh, and then the next drive, touchdown to Lee Smith. There's a Lee Smith sighting. A lot of y'all don't know who Lee Smith is. He's the guy that comes in and you're like, okay, they're running the fucking football. He was in Oakland. Uh, now he's in Buffalo. He was inactive. That's when you have the the Diggs uh, touchdowns reversed. The next drive, you get another touchdown. Uh, and this thing's becoming a pattern. At this point, we've seen Singletary pick up some steam. We've also seen them get Davis uh, into the ball game at, at wide receiver. And it ends in a Josh Allen rushing TD. This is another wrinkle. They have so many different ways to get different runs. You know, they got the option game, which is really annoying for a defender. Forget rushing the passer. You're, you're going to be perpetually obsessed with what's my job on a speed option? What's my job on a read option? Um, and we see, you know, that QB keep on an option where he fakes a pitch. And I think he spins and ends up uh, down in the end zone. It's just, this is really emblematic of the problems you have as the defender playing the Bills, and Dable did a great job throughout the game, or throughout the first half, to be sure. The next drive, it's a bunch of Yeldon, and uh, you've got guys that are just wide open, big chunks, uncontested, uh, Beasley wide open. You get a touchdown to Croft on a play fake. Um, you know, when it came to open receivers, two of the top 10 most open receivers in the league yesterday played for Buffalo. And that's something the Rams have to figure out. And I gotta, I gotta dig in and see how that happened. Um, but it was bad. Then it's halftime and it's 21-3 and they've been jumped and they come out of the gate um, and it only gets worse for the Rams. It's 28-3 as I mentioned. But the Rams really moved the ball all game. Henderson was great, they never went away from him, even when they were down, which I really liked. Cup had nine for 107 on 10 targets. Robert Woods was great. Um, 74 yards, a touchdown. He had, even had three carries for 30 yards. And Goff had his moments. Uh, you know, I didn't think he was bad. But there were the sputters for L.A. that really hurt them. The first drive right out of the gate ends in a Milano sack. That's basically a high-red situation, a missed field goal. Okay, second drive is an interception. Third drive, they settle for a field goal. They get down to the 12. You know, Henderson... Dive pitch for a loss. They burn a screen due to pressure, and you kick a field goal, okay? And you're already chasing. Then it's halftime, basically. So, like, those are three drives they have in the first uh, in the first half that are relatively productive, and all you have to show for it is three points. And time of possession, somehow, the Rams win in the first half. So it makes no sense. And again, I mentioned, I mentioned the struggles on defense uh, for the Rams, no doubt about it. They share in this, but the Rams have to capitalize, especially when you get in the high red, in the fringe, and that's not going to show up in their in their red zone kind of statistics, but they need to punch the ball in when they get on the opposite end of the 50. They seemed to sputter yesterday. Second half, though, after you know that first drive where they fail a fourth and four and go down 28 to three, they get a touchdown drive, a touchdown drive, uh, and on that second drive, you got a great throw to Higby screen to Woods, uh, only took him a minute. And by the way, Goff stood in there, got drilled, uh, and delivered the touchdown. The third drive, though, 
of the second half, the third scoring drive was a drive I was really impressed with. They're down 28 to 17. Huge punt, booming punt, rolls down to the three. Okay, they're backed up. They go play action out of the end zone. You get a third and 11 uh, backed up as well. Huge throw to cup. Third and eight again, down to the 15 on the other side of the field. Conversion after conversion and a cup touchdown. You get the two-pointer. They go 97 yards to make it 28-25. And you're like, oh shit, Buffalo's doing this again. They get it back with 7.24 to go. Henderson, he, you know, running through a really worn out Edmonds was emblematic of the second half of the Bills. They just got tired. And we'll talk about maybe why they're giving up these leads, but the game ends up now 32-28. Um, and it's in the, the hands of Josh Allen. And they barely get it back. But I guess all in all, what I'm saying is both of these offenses are exciting. Both of these teams are good. Both these teams are complete. And they're a lot of fun. I still like the Bills better because I trust Josh Allen uh, more when things break down. Because I don't think the Rams are so good that things are always going to be perfect offensively for them this year. I also think it's going to be easier in that division, the AFC East, than it is out West. Uh, another takeaway is Aaron Donald's a machine. I could say that every Monday. Henderson and the running back by committee thing is working out well. But again, the Bills won't see an offense like this in their division. They won't. Uh, and the Rams won't see a defense like that in their division. So, felt like a big matchup. Uh, and both teams have proven that they're really good. And McVay didn't sound defeated after the game. He shouldn't because although they got their ass kicked in the first half, they showed me something. And uh, the Bills need to be better with leads. They need to figure the pass rush out. We know they blitz a lot, but guys have to be able to get home in four-man. And we see it time after time. Two-minute early in the year, and I'd have to chart this, it's been rough for defenses, I feel like. I don't know if that's because defenses are gassed, or they haven't been able to kind of get the reps that they want to in real live live bullets like preseason, but it hasn't been so great. And uh, and that's played itself out on the football field through three weeks. Teams down big have closed the distance. It's happened left and right. So uh, without my, my co-host here to keep the ball in the air, uh, I want to talk about some of the other games, but... I decided to bring in a ringer. Um, he's unpaid. He works hard, though, which would be problematic except for the fact that he's four years old. Let's get my son Waylon in here to ask me a few questions, shall we? Actually, to be, to be honest, I just voice recorded him this morning at breakfast. So, Waylon, what do you got for me? Is it unfair to bench a guy that's 2 0? Thanks, Waylon. Making you better look out, man. I mean, guy's doing the same. I mean, like kind of the same thing you're doing. Might actually like picking against him better than I like picking against you on Thursday night. So, <laughs> okay, you're talking about Waylon. You're, you're talking about you're talking about Dada's friend Nick Foles uh, coming in the game for Chicago last night, right? Right. So I thought about making Trubisky my hollow man, which is obviously later in the show when it comes to superlatives. No, thank you. Um, I actually feel bad. Hollow Man's kind of a fun segment. Matt Nagy made the best decision of his, of his football career when it comes to being a head coach. This had to happen. And it was probably the, the boldest one he's made yet. 
And I suspect there was pressure to let this thing play out from upstairs. It seemed over for a while, personally, to me, when it came to Nagy and Trubisky. Uh, this felt like a formality. But the painful decision had to be made. And uh, in the third quarter, it was definitely the right time. You know, Trubisky was not awful, missing throws the entire game. Uh, he's been worse. This was just the straw that broke the camel's back, right? I actually can imagine after that pick in the third quarter they threw, there's like this big commotion on the Atlanta sideline. Everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, today's the fucking day. We're going to Magic City with our masks on, and Lou Williams is going to be there, and it's going to be awesome. And people, it's pandemonium. And then I imagine that Dan Quinn and Nick Foles lock eyes from across the field, just momentarily. Dan, Qu Dan Quinn, of course, looks down. Avoid the eye contact. You don't want the, you don't want beef with the goat there. So Dan kind of looks away. Nick just keeps staring, and he's just nodding. He's just nodding. It's time, Dan. Time. I'm the Grim Reaper. I'm Tin Advisor Nick Foles. You can't kill me. I've already been killed. I've already been dead. This is the perfect spot for me. Okay? Uh, I've been benched. I've been called Pick Foles by people in St. Louis. I've also been to the mountaintop, okay? Like, he's the fixer. He's the, he's, he's, uh, what is it, the, the wolf in, um, in Pulp Fiction, but like a really Christian version of the wolf. Like, you got a big mess, I'll clean it up. And uh, we've got a mess here. How scary are Bears fans for Nick Foles? They're not very scary. I mean, like, he's thrived in Philly. And you know why it wasn't scary on top of that? The, the fucking Falcons are ready to give it up, as they always are. Um, yeah, Mitch wasn't terrible. He didn't miss badly all day. Uh, he did get almost picked early in the game uh, on a play-action pass. He connected on a bunch of slants and shallow crossers. When you go back and look at it, I mean, there, there are a lot of uncontested quick throws, the occasional uncon uncontested chunk. Uh, but if you're a Bears fan, you're used to this. There was a gutsy scramble in the red zone. We know he's athletic. Uh, there's a touchdown to Graham to make it 16-10 before the half. But when you're hanging on by a thread, like, uh, like Mitch is, is hanging on, you can't do what you did out of, out of halftime. You can't. Uh, the leash is not that long. I mean, and you can't miss Anthony Miller before the half. And by the way, that's the same play that Nick Foles delivered a strike on for the go-ahead go touchdown, which is, that's the day in a nutshell. Um, and he missed Miller in stride. That would have been a score that would have, uh, I think, put him up before the half. But the pick after the half was bad. He doesn't see Wilson sitting in the zone waiting for the ball, and Jimmy Graham sees him too. But Mitch didn't, and it's too late. And 23-13 uh, turns into 26-10, just like that. And the guards changed in Chicago. I don't think it's going back. I feel bad for, for, for Mitch. I really do. The psychology of losing a job like that in a big city, it's really something that a lot of people can't comprehend. And, like, I can't even comprehend it. Like, I know the pressures of playing pro football, but I don't know – what it's like being a franchise quarterback, a high draft pick in a big city like Chicago. Um, which, by the way, beggars can't be choosers in Chicago now, okay? Because we've had a lot of quarterbacks for a long time. And not many have been very good. And Mitch, like, the weirdest thing is this all felt like a formality, but people were trying to will this to happen. And Khalil Mack, you saw him mic'd up before the game. There was this little viral thing yesterday where he was loving up on Mitch and 
trying to will his confidence over the edge. And you can tell guys respect him, but it's just not happening. And I hate that because all he's done is played really well at North Carolina, showed up, busted his ass, got overdrafted, and now everybody kind of hates him. And it's stupid. I think it's stupid how we do this. Like, And for some people, it'll never, that's all Mitch will ever be. Um, and all I wish for him is that he he has a new opportunity and, and that he has a strong mindset because it's tough. It's tough getting benched in pro sports no matter what. But to do it with the heights he's been to, Pro Bowl, whatever that's worth, playoffs, the one really exciting year, and it's just over like that. Um, and again, all he did was try his best and, and played pretty well. And it's it, it felt from the beginning like an unfair situation for him. And I know some people are like, oh, whoop de fucking do he's making a lot of money. That's fine. Would you take all that money, and you probably would, to be hated in Chicago your entire life? And like, I don't know that people are gonna hate him, but it's just, you know what I mean. It's, it kinda, people make it personal. And uh, I just wish him a fresh start and a positive attitude. Football's hard, okay? And it was no surprise the only thing like bolder than benching a 2-0 quarterback in the third quarter was the play of Nick Foles. I mean, he's somewhat erratic. He takes chances, we know that. Um, but he makes the offense more dangerous. And the perfect example would be that 50-50 ball to Robinson that's picked by Kennard. I mean, which was a great throw. Honestly, I, I, I don't know what the right call is there. There's the throw to Graham that goes through Isaiah Oliver's hands in a pile of four Falcons. Honestly, this was the most insane thing I've ever seen. They look like a glitchy video game. I mean, they were just writhing around on the ground, like tripping each other. And I don't know how this ball got through Oliver's hands, but I feel bad for the kid. Like, they look like they were throwing the game. <laughs> I had a buddy text me, Falcons minus three is like picking apples during the third quarter. I said, have you watched football this year? And he had more bad luck too, Nick as well. I mean, the fourth and 17 to Miller on a slant, which was a great throw uh, and would have been big for them was called back. And that's usually a backbreaker. If you remember where they were in the game, it's 10 minutes left. They're down 26 to 10. Uh, you get the ball back next with nine minutes to go. You just lose Cohen to an ACL. By the way, my brother pointed this out. He got his deal done. So in all seriousness, I'm really happy he did. But you get the ball back with nine minutes to go. You need two scores at this point, you think, which makes it even crazier to think they didn't have to go the two-score route you're going to need two touchdowns and two two two-point conversions. You get the gutsy chunk uh, play to Ginn on a conversion, and it ends in a Graham touchdown. So no two-point conversion. They picked that, I believe, or it went up in the air, batted around. So what? You don't panic. You're playing the Falcons. You, you still need two scores? Nine minutes to go? Fuck it. Don't mess it up. Uh because here's what the Falcons did. They just got done having the ball for like a minute, and they did it again. Uh, they followed that possession up with Gurley, two incompletions, and they give it right back. And then it's a Robinson comeback you know, with zip. That was a nice throw by Foles to get it out there. It's a tougher throw than you think to get it there where you, you in timing, he can, he can make a play on that ball. He breaks the tackles does the rest of the work, 26-23, okay? So now it's like buttholes in Atlanta are, are tight, really tight at this point. They're like, tight. 
Um, and I don't know if the Falcons, when they get the ball back with four minutes to go up three, misinterpreted what four-minute mode means. Four-minute mode in the NFL means, like, hold on to the ball. And another quick possession. And I'm thinking, it wasn't Shanahan after all, this whole time. I mean, talk about a watch party uh, superlative later. We might give the watch party award to uh, to Kyle Shanahan, who just got done scoring 39 points with uh, Nick Mullins, and he's watching Dan Quinn blow another lead. Maybe it wasn't me all along. The third and 15 overthrow cements it, and then you get a punt, of course a penalty, subsequently a short field, and then you get the throw of the weekend. Foles with a face full of pass rush, delivering a strike to Miller. Reminded me of the, the, the ball he threw backed up. I mean, totally different throw, but he got blasted on this. Was the clowny hit he took backed up against the goal line in 2018 and completed a bomb in Philly. Just stood in there. And uh, it's off the club dub. One big stat today that kind of tells the whole story for me is Mitch Trubisky under pressure six times. Got three passes off, all of them incomplete. Okay, Nick Foles, six pressures, six attempts with four completions, 102 and two touchdowns. Nick's gonna be able to Nick's gonna be able to take risks and push the ball downfield. Like you don't know which Nick you're gonna get, but if you get the good one, they could be pretty good this year. Bears have the Colts, the Bucks, the Panthers. Uh, before they get the Rams, they could go two and two heading into the Saints. That could be a game with playoff implications, believe it or not. We said before the season, okay, this Nick Foles thing was a naggy, Kansas City, Foles connection. You felt good schematically about it. Never got to see him. I mean, the guy came out cold. We talked about Herbert last week who's a rookie. You got a Super Bowl MVP, hasn't seen any preseason, hasn't taken snaps in, in a game situation. Trots out there and leads a comeback like that. He's got the locker room right now. And uh, I knew last year Jacksonville didn't work out from the moment he got his collarbone broken on that dime he threw for a touchdown. Okay. Once he came back, the Minshew thing was already a big hit, and they just kind of sucked, okay? And the rule is with Nick Foles, one bad stop, one good stop, one bad stop, one good stop. It's like duck, duck, goose. And uh, I don't think that's a good thing for the NFC North because I think he's due for a good stop. And it was really good to hear that white 80 cadence from Nick Foles. Uh, it just made me smile. It's good to see uh, a friend have a good day. Hey, Dada, do you want to walk back Waller now? My take that, that Waller was the best tight end healthy Sunday. No, I don't. Kelsey, Kelsey plays tonight on Monday. Also, I mean, like, no, son. You got to have conviction here, okay? I made a bold statement, and... Even if I'm overreacting to a really small sample size of a player having a breakout game on a national stage in week two, I got to stick with it. Um, okay, Waller didn't have a target for what felt like the entire game. First two targets were almost picked. Finished with two catches on four targets for nine yards. No first downs. Against New Orleans, he was 12 uh, catches on 16 targets for 105. Seven first downs, two third down conversions, a fourth down conversion. And going into uh, this game Sunday, he was second in the league in first downs for, through the first two games. Okay, so it's not like he wasn't great in 19 either. Uh, I just think this is a national breakout player, not a football breakout player. He broke out last year. And Gruden said he was more open than you think. Okay, so like that's fine, but either way, 
the Raiders were three of nine on third down and didn't have a conversion for like almost the entire game. It was really apparent that New England decided, okay, Renfro is going to be the guy that we let beat us. Look at this little white guy out here in the slot. We'll let him beat us. That's what they do. Uh, 83 yards, two touchdowns for Renfro, but that's not going to win you the game. And you knew that this week when Bill talked about him, when he gushed about him, he was like, he's taking that fucking guy away. That's like, that's what Bill's going to do. If Bill Belichick talks, speaks highly of you in the press, he's going to take you away. So if you like prop bets, take a look at Bill's you know press clippings through the week. He had a ton of different people covering him, tons of different coverages, especially in the first half. And as a rusher, that's the only analogy I have. When you throw a lot of different looks at people as rushers, they get frustrated. I know I used to get frustrated. Even when the starter like went out with an injury to have to adjust the backup in the middle of the game, it was like off. And then some teams, like the Texans I remember in 2013, I want to say, they were really just rotating tackles in. And I was like, this is so frustrating. I got to believe it's the same thing with, with the pass catcher. Uh, he also got a ton of doubles as well. The Raiders did not lose because of Waller, and he's still really damn good. Uh, they lost because they made a ton of mistakes in, in New England, and you don't want to do that no matter who the quarterback is. You know, they had four penalties, two turnovers in the first half, uh, and they had kept those things down. They finished with six penalties, three turnovers, car fumbled twice. They lost the fumble uh, in the end zone as well. And they lost a fumble on a bad call. What is it with the Raiders and getting shitty calls against the Patriots? That was the the uh, Josh Jacobs fumble that he got back. Also, the Patriots won time of possession by 10 minutes, okay? The, the Raiders were bad in the red zone. Two of five after starting six of eight in the first two. New England took away Waller. That that shows up in the red zone. And it's not a surprise. This is what like all they talk about up there. Red zone, red zone, red zone. Take the best player away. They also talk about running the football. And New England ran the football, 250 yards on the ground. Not a shock to me. Uh, the one disappointment for me with the Raiders, well, actually, there were two. One, they had a really big chance for a two-for-one, which they kind of squandered coming out of the gate in the second half. They, uh, they had a long drive and then missed the field goal, okay? I also hated, and at that point, the game was very much in phase. Also hated the call late in the game, to me at least, and I haven't checked Twitter because, you know, you can't really criticize or praise a coach unless you make sure Twitter's okay with the game management um, decision-making from said coach. But I didn't like on fourth and five at the seven late, Gruden not trying to get the score. It was a two-score ball game no matter what, uh, and it stayed that way with the field goal. Okay, Cam looked kind of human, but before Sunday, I was looking at his comps uh, to the 2015 year, and the numbers are on par. He's up in rushing yards per game, yards per attempt. His rating's on par. He had one of the highest uh, rate of passes over 10 air yards. You know, when it comes to completing those 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 throws, I think he was highest in the NFL coming into Sunday, okay? And his rating coming into the year was like 75 on deep balls. Going into Sunday, it was like 120, okay? Edelman's getting the ball downfield more. Air yards per target's up. He's running more slants, fewer hitches and outs, and that makes sense because everything I heard about Cam was I'm worried about him making the big throws outside the numbers and down the field. Well, he's done that in the middle of the field. He's made some nice throws to Jules, but we still haven't seen him throw the balls out, uh, throw the ball outside the numbers um, from inside the pocket much. I mean, broken plays, rolling out, that's one thing. Um, and that isn't a disturbing trend as long as it doesn't hurt them in the middle of the field is open, but he did look a lot more human yesterday. He missed some throws. You had the... The uh, Abram pick, uh, 
And I think the, the question is, down the line, if somebody takes away the middle of the field and the underneath stuff, can Cam make the big side sideline throws? Uh, I think it's safe to say the offense is better than it was last year and the defense is worse. It seems obvious to me. And that's what I suspected coming into the year. They got gashed on the ground, which is no surprise either. Uh, you know, Las Vegas went away from Josh Jacobs, even even with the game in phase, which is kind of a disappointment because there's hay to be made there. By the way, should have shouted him out. Winovich has played really well, you know, and I said he's got to be like a one rusher. He's got to win one-on-ones. New England has not won a bunch of one-on-ones over the last couple of years. They're going to manufacture pressure, but he's got to win them. And he did that yesterday, forced a fumble. Not a big, powerful guy, so he can kind of get stuck in rushes because he's not huge. Uh, so if he goes to power, he can push the pocket, but then he can't like snatch off. He can beat you a lot of different ways. He's crafty. I like him a lot, and they're going to need him to play big down the stretch. Uh, Crosby also got home in a pretty swipe and a finish and a hustle play as well. So two sacks for Max Crosby. The funniest moment of the day was probably when they were lamenting over that bad call back in the uh, AFC Championship eons ago, the tuck rule. And Romo's like, hey, it happens. You know the, what it's been like to live with that Des caught it moment, essentially. I'm like, nah, dude, that's not really the same thing. This, You saw what's happened to these two franchises since that call. The Eagles are your panic team, right? The, the Eagles game stung for a lot of reasons. Obviously, I mentioned that in the gambling uh, part of the Open. And that's become a really brutal total to be playing with the Bengals now, blowing games one and three. But I was I was pulling for my birds, and it is time to panic. Okay, coming in the weekend, the Eagles wanted to do everything to avoid going 0-3 for the first time since uh, Dougie P was the Eagles quarterback and McNabb was a rookie. So it's been a while, uh, and they did just that. They found a way to tie the game. And uh, during overtime, I tweeted, I know a tie when I see one. I played in a lot of sloppy ball games, and uh, at least one of them ended in a tie against the Niners in 2012, I believe it was. And it's just the worst feeling in the world. You don't know what to do, especially if you're on the road. Sucks, you gotta get on a plane, and it's just like, do we laugh, do we stay quiet? Um, And then later in the year, we almost tied the, the Niners again at home. Same team, overtime and a tie. Um. Somebody asked me if Doug should have played for the win. I love Doug. I think one of the hardest things to do in my new job is having to criticize friends uh, as long as it's not personal uh, and people that I I really owe a lot to. I consider Doug a friend and I appreciate everything that he's done for me. I just, I'm in a tough spot here because I do think he should have gone for the win. Um, And I think this was a, a miss for them. You know, the, the, the Doug Peterson from 2017 wasn't, wasn't there in overtime. And I kind of get it because neither was the Carson Wentz from 2017 or the Carson Wentz from 2019 for that matter. So there is a confidence factor, but he didn't play to win. And somebody asked me what he should have done. My response is, well, what does it feel like in Philly this morning? It feels like the worst fucking loss in the last two years, but it's a tie. So what's the difference? Save for the math, I get that there's a a bigger weight that should be placed on the standings, but it doesn't feel very good in Philly this morning. I'm pretty sure of that. And I think it felt like such a bad loss that those cardboard cutouts were getting ready to start walking the fuck out of that stadium in a rage as they lined up to punt. So the situation's overtime, right? It's it's you know it's not cutting time. It's the game winning possession. There's you know, you're doing the math and you're like, this is it. 
That's kind of it. And I felt like Doug got comfortable when the ball was around that red TV goal line or the field goal range line. Like I'm, I'm thinking to myself, are they good with just this red line or are they going to try to to make this thing a little bit safer? And because they played it kind of safe on first and second down, they got a tough third and seven that gets knocked down on a slant. And, you know, they got 18 seconds to go, but you ran the ball twice and you still have a surplus of time for Cincinnati. Then they line up to kick. It's in Jake's range and his range is big. Um but then Matt Pryor goes full hollow man, and boy, it's a good time to save that trick for when there's nobody in the stands in Philly. Jesus. The penalty. I guess Doug thought it was on the edge of his range, and then it was knocked out of his range. Um, but the thing that's tough for me is I saw Jake Elliott kick a 61-yarder with 10 yards to spare in 2017. It's a hot, humid day. I don't know what difference that makes uh, in Philly. I know the record's like a 64-yarder in Denver. But Jake could have hit from 64 that day to win the game against the Giants back in 17. And talking to players on the team, I know that he has the leg for it. I know he does. He kicks from 70 in pregame with regularity. But he didn't think it was in his range. Uh, And he opts to punt and not go for it. He takes the penalty and back him up even more. Punts. And I'm thinking to myself, like, so you didn't decide to take the field goal, which I understand you're afraid that if you miss it, you don't trust the defense to knock one play down or two plays down to avoid Cincinnati picking up 15 yards and making an equally improbable field goal. You know, they got the guy that came up with a cramp week one. I, I get like what's going through their head, but I would have played to win, man. I, and they don't know the Dallas result at this point. I get the fact that you don't want to go for it on fourth and 12 because you don't trust your quarterback at this time, your offense, everybody's banged up. But it just, it reeked of like scared to win. Not scared to lose, just like scared scared to try to win. Defensively, the D-line was humming. BG was on. Fletch got a sack, in like, a sack in like a fucking second, like three minutes ago. They tattooed Burrow all game, including the Malik hit, which I'll ask our guest uh, Rob Ninkovich about, but I didn't think it was dirty. And I love Burrow. Believe me, there's no homerism here. Besides, I'm going to need him to be healthy if I'm going to collect on that big bet for their over five and a half wins. They played for a tie, okay? And again, they didn't know anything about the Dallas result. In a division where a win is a huge deal, like, you got to try to win that game, in my opinion. Whether it's the 4th and 12 or kick the field goal. Doug came out today and says he wished he played to win. Okay, it's too late. You know, um, Doug went for two in 2016 against Baltimore and lost. They didn't do that yesterday, of course, because they had a chance to win early in the game outright. The bad part is it probably doesn't matter. Even if they got the win yesterday, it's not a good football team. Like, if they had won that ball game, I'm still feeling the same way about this team. And they have Baltimore, San Francisco, Pittsburgh coming up next. The saving grace is that the division's mathematically wide open. But that's a good football team in Dallas if they figure this thing out offensively like they did yesterday and the day before uh, or the week before. The roster has fallen off really subtly. It's been compounded by being the most snake-bit team in football when it comes to injuries. I get that. Rager, Deshaun, Goddard yesterday. They've gone youth, and the youth hasn't stayed healthy, okay? I know I'm, like, biased. I'm the old guy, and I kind of, like, moved on, and and this might sound like sour grapes. I'm only airing this out because I'm analyzing the game. You know, like, 2017 was fucking lightning in a bottle. I mean, that's maybe magic we can only re- recreate, and that's we didn't, we didn't build to that. And I say we. I wasn't there before. We didn't build to that. It just kind of happened, 
and then there was a, reg a regression to the mean and now now here it is and it looks like the window's kind of closed uh they're not a good football team right now we had a veteran infusion in 17 we had a dynamic mixture of doug and frank reich we had two of the best offensive and defensive lines in football and uh, we were a fucking bully, and there was never panic. Like in a situation like yesterday, we don't panic because we were good. The reason Carson's not playing well, part of it's on him, part of it's because they're not good. And the reason they're not feeling ballsy in that situation, the real reason Doug's balls aren't so big he has to put them in a wheelbarrow like Stan's dad from South Park, like is because the team's not good and they haven't showed him much offensively. So. As we saw with last year, even a cratered roster can be carried by a rare quarterback talent, and that's what I think Carson is. But for some reason, 2020, Carson isn't getting it done. The throws aren't there. I'll take a deeper dive on that. Um, but there's no secret. He's he's not getting it done. Um, he did have the gutsy drive to tie it, multiple conversions with legs, 75 yards, 11 plays. He was trucking people. He wants it bad. I want it for him, but the throws aren't there right now. He went from a top five fringe guy last year to a guy I don't recognize so much this year, and it sucks. And Doug even acknowledged last week, you know, what's up with the regression in year five? Unfortunately, I worry that the heat upstairs is going to cause people to make out-of-character decisions. And Carson is a rare talent. He's much rarer, in my opinion, than some of the people upstairs. Uh, and that's nothing against the people upstairs. He's just, if you think you're going to move on from Carson at some point, and I know we're for a guy that just passed like Donovan McNabb for fastest to X, Y, and Z this Sunday, it sure doesn't feel like it. If you're thinking in the back of your head, you're a Philly fan, and I said this last year, we're moving on from Carson. For what? And are you comfortable with him ending up somewhere where things are rolling and him getting it going? You have to ask yourself that question. Somebody's job's gonna be on the line soon. Uh, I don't know who it's gonna be. Also, I hope JP's all right. I really feel for him to struggle, come back to the team. If he's hurt bad, that's a really unceremonious ending. It sucks for him to have to deal with this anyways. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week four, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GREENLIGHT when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code GREENLIGHT during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So, uh, welcoming back to the program, my good friend, Rob Dinkovich. Ninko, what up, dude? What up? Raise the roof, baby. How we doing? <laughs> the guy in a Hawaiian shirt, raising the roof off the top. You have fully morphed into a suburban dad. I have uh, some khaki shorts on right now and <laughs> a shirt that my friend gave me because he thought it was ugly and I was like, it's soft, so I'll wear it. It does look soft. Is it like one of those vintage kind of worn? Yeah, it's vintage old, nice. like worn out. I love it. Is it's it very... short, Is it shorts weather in Foxborough right now? 
It is warm. It's a little humid right now today. Well, I don't want to bore you with the. I don't want to bore the listeners with the Patriots stuff. I yeah, mean, so, uh, Oakland just <laughs> Oakland just wasn't. They were just too sloppy to expect to beat a football team that's probably a little bit better than them right now. So, um, the game sure. last night, though, I guess the the way I'd ask question number one, mm. as somebody who you paid more attention to quarterbacks and their arms through through your career because I was just always rushing them. You were dropping. You were. You, yep. you know, you're analyzing the passing game more than me. Like, yeah, we knew your your coverage skills were a little suspect. So you're you're well, good going forward, not so much backwards. You know, I could <laughs> say the same about some of the pass rushers in New England, but you know, hey, let's not go about the pass rush. You know, I couldn't get behind the quarterback or I'd be no, I know it's fucked up. Okay, you had 46. I think you could have ended up in the 60s or 70s. Anywhere. I had 50 with the playoffs. You know, it was a nice. good solid number. playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, playoffs. I would have been. I would have been like sixty to sixty-five if I had no restrictions. Yeah, but on a good team, sixty to sixty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the question is: Is Drew Brees' arm completely dead? I mean, in two thousand six, he had a three hundred and sixty-degree labral tear. In two thousand six, he tore this whole thing all the way around. They had to put all the little things all the way around. You don't think his little wingy? You don't think his little wingy is getting weak? I mean, dog. First of all, he was never a power. He was never a power thrower. Right. So he was always a like. Remember Chad Pennington at the end of his career? Yeah. Remember Chad Pennington? He put that. He would throw the ball, and you'd count one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. Then the receiver would turn, and the ball would hit him. Yeah. He had like he had to anticipate because he couldn't throw the ball with power. I feel like Drew Brees right now at this particular moment. <laughs> I'm concerned about accuracy, which, you know, you would never think you'd have to deal with accuracy issues. But, I mean, he is 40 years old, and when you start seeing ghosts, you know, yeah. Jets, about that. But, like, I think the the problem is, like, that internal clock when guys are flying around you. I feel like as you get older, it just gets quicker, and you just want to get rid of the ball. And I'm concerned about the accuracy problems. Yeah, accuracy. yeah I mean, because that's the one thing you've always had. I mean, the, the yeah. pick he threw – Against the Raiders, I said earlier in the week, I don't care if you didn't see a guy in a black jersey on the on the the black midfield logo. Like you can't. It was still a, a throw that was bad. It was like the Carson pick yesterday that got deflected. It still would have been a pick. I mean, he's throwing it right at a dude in in the low hole spot. I mean, so it's it's these like decisions that you're like maybe he's pressing because he knows his arm doesn't feel good. The funny thing to me was that was really telling is they asked him how he felt after that Raiders game, and he was like. I feel very, I feel good, borderline great, you know, mm -hmm. like, which to me, somebody who's so self-aware of their body, like, and also not a liar. Yeah. He does not feel great. He just feels liar. good. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, like, yeah. and, and so it was funny. I heard, I read all these stories coming to the year about all the things he was doing in the off season, Emmanuel Sanders saying, man, he doesn't look 40. He doesn't look 41. The, the arm looks good. It's just hard to know with quarterbacks when the bottom falls out. And I think the most unfair thing is you're being compared to a 43-year-old who's just like never gets old. Avocado ice cream, you know, that whole yeah. thing. Tom's not going to – he's not going to fall off the map as much as Drew, who never really had a cannon. Yeah, I mean, well, also, too, you think about just structural of like a pitcher. If you're – if you think about a pitcher, right? Some guys can just throw a hundred miles an hour and you're like, how does that person throw a hundred miles an hour? It's yeah. just like the way you're built, like your body and the way you're built and you're put together. I feel like Tom is able to last a little bit because he's kind of like long and lanky, yeah. you know, and kind of just whip the ball, but Drew's not very big. So he's like, what, 
maybe six foot. He's not. He's, he's a, not a he's a shot putter. He's a shot. So he throws it. He doesn't like whip the ball. He like pushes the ball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. when you lose just a little bit, like that is a lot when you never really had a lot. If you, you had a three out of 10 and you go to a two and a half, that's a big difference than going from difference. a 10 to an eight and a half. And like, so. Uh, and, and I think, I don't think that he plays it, like last year, if it didn't end the way it ended, I don't think he plays this year. I think he was thinking about retiring and then just saw what he had coming back and then decided to come back. Cause didn't he, didn't he say like, this was going to be his last run or like, we don't have much time. Yeah. I've heard explicitly that he wants to beat the bad play. And unfortunately it looks like he might not beat it. And, and I still think one thing, you know, coming to this game, I was like, if this, if his arm looks bad again, cause I was thinking acute injury and yeah, the yards per temp had been bottom 10 since 2016. Now yeah. it's the, it's the bottom of the bottom 4.8 yards per I mean, temp. I mean, you knew it was bad last year when they would bring in Hill to throw the deep ball. So when you bring in another guy to throw a deep ball, like yes. that's not good. It's not good. Um, but I, I would say I was giving him a chance. I wanted to watch him last night. A lot of the yards through the air were the Kamara break, breaking tackles and that sort of yeah. thing. Like I literally was watching the game because I had money on the Packers, and I'm like, the only guy who can take money out of my wallet right now is Alvin Kamara. That's the only thing that scares me about this offense. I also think, though, that confirming that something's wrong with his arm doesn't mean it's a death sentence for this team. They'll be competitive this year. Because you can see what Sean Payton can create, and I think the Packers are a very good team. Very good team. Yeah. I believe them this year. I didn't believe in them last year. Um, but the spacing is tough. You know, people are just going to crowd the underneath, the middle, and make him, you know, throw the ball outside the numbers. Yeah. I mean, so... You're playing... I mean, you're going to play against certain defenses, and they're going to understand, okay, what do we do against Drew Brees? All right, well, first we crush the pocket around him. To where he can't see much because he's short. So he's looking over his line. If you crowd the, that intermediate route stuff, like let's make him push the ball down the field. Yeah. That's when you're going to run into overthrows. Because when you start to try and throw the ball, like if you can't throw the ball with confidence down the field, that's when you're inaccurate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and some people make it look easy long enough or relatively easy long enough that you just don't even don't even recognize it when it changes. So it sucks. I mean, he's had a rough year, uh, and it's only looking to get rougher. Do you like Seattle or Green Bay better? I like Seattle better. Um, I, I just think that when you look at what they have offensively, their weapons, and they have, you know they have a big time tight end that I feel like is a good red zone target. You got Metcalf, who I feel like is a, another huge red zone target. Not only that, but. You could just throw the ball up to him, and he's going to come down with it. Hopefully, you know, in the future, he learns from him his, his mistake oh, man. Of, yeah. uh, of, of celebrating a little bit too early, yeah. which pissed me off because that would have been more points in my fantasy, and he uh, screwed me out of those. I know he was thinking about that. Oh, that's a bad one. So I'm just going with Seattle. Russell Wilson right now playing out of his mind, you know, the most touchdown passes in the first three games. Um, and I like Aaron Rodgers. I like Green Bay. I thought that they were – I thought that Green Bay was going to be the best in the division, you know, before the season season started. I was on TV with, you know, some very very smart people, and, and they disagreed with me, joking that they're very smart. Mm -hmm. I won't say their name. Yeah, uh, and they they're all on the Vikings. I'm like the Vikings. Like 
Why would you go with the Vikings? Why, I was like, on the Lions because I just refused to pick the Packers because, like, last year I just felt like I can't trust this team. They're not physical enough on defense. They just they would sputter offensively randomly. And I was like, they didn't make themselves any better. For, like, you know, there was that big draft narrative. You know, you don't give yeah. them any weapons. Okay, now you're going to pound the ball. But it's like they just look different. Supposedly Aaron went back and looked and watched some old tape is what I hear. I don't yeah. know which year it was, but supposedly he picked up and had like an aha moment. And for people listening, like it is that easy sometimes as a player, yeah. you see something on tape that you forgot you used to do and you have this epiphany that changes your entire game. I can only imagine for, for one of the goats what that could do. Yeah, I mean, and look, he's not having he's not having any issues with arm strength right now. So the guy no. is just throwing the ball all over the place. Some oh of his God. Some of his throws are ridiculous. I don't know how he throws the ball like perfectly on the run, like 60 yards downfield, but whatever. I was watching uh, Pat McAfee. He was on that show, on Pat McAfee's show. Mm -hmm. And he said that in the off season, he found joy and he was able to just enjoy the moment. And I feel like this year, it's going to be scary for everybody that's facing him because he's just out there having fun, slinging the rock around, and I know I faced him, and I don't. I mean, I wouldn't want to. He's on that some uh, Zen shit. Like he started doing yeah, yoga or something. Weird, like pretzel stretching, getting good. real flexible. Good, yeah. good, good for him. I mean, yeah. everybody seems happy when they do that stuff. I don't know if they're just putting on a front for social media. I might Could start be. doing yoga. Um, yeah, no, I, I like Seattle as well. I mean, you look at it. You mentioned Her I think defense. Terrible though. I think Seattle, that's that's where Green Bay has the edge. There is yeah. Seattle doesn't have anybody that scares me as much as Zadarius Smith, and I love yeah. me some Zadarius Smith. I mean, both the Smith brothers are, are are real good, and Seattle secondary has just been getting torched. But to your point, and we'll see what what's up with the Chris Carson injury, uh, which is going to come up in a minute or two. But they just they're so explosive, and although Aaron has been able to overcome the Adams injury and not look like he missed a beat. There's going to be a point where Lazard is not going to get it done for you in the year. Uh, and I think both of these teams are on a collision course for a second straight playoff meeting. Uh, and last year, Green Bay, if you got to feel good about anything, got the best of them at home. So, um, yeah. The only home field advantage, ironically, when you look at it in it's football weather. right now is weather. Yeah, weather. So there's, a, there's an advantage for Green Bay when it comes to getting the Super Bowl is if they can secure a one or two – it's going to be really tough relative to, I mean, because Denver was the, the guys with the altitude and they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. So yep. let's pass out some awards for the weekend. How, how about that? I'm ready. Oh, also, it's by the way, out. that Taysom Hill shit is just irritating to me. <laughs> I can't watch it. Like, what are we doing? I, I don't understand it. I don't understand. I'd rather see Jameis Winston. I mean, I, I, I get it. They enjoy, I mean, they enjoy like having the, the, trickery foolery yeah, stuff going on and like then strike your throat i get it but at the same time on the flip side you can't get too cute you know? yeah like, just get a little too cute a little too exactly. cute let's go worst and best plane ride uh give me your two entries i'm saying the worst is the rams going all the way back home after they should have beat buffalo but did you see that call that, that they threw the flag on to give the to give Buffalo another chance. It was on fourth down. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you what you thought of that because honestly, I thought the interception was worse earlier, so it kind of balanced out a little bit. 
Yeah. I just think that you, how do you make that call at the end of the game? The game's oh, over. And it was late too. He was like, was late. Uh, yeah, yeah. Flat. So I think that, that's a bad, you know, that plane ride that those guys were like, we won this game. And I'm going to say the best plane ride has got to be the 49ers going back from escape playing, the turf, escaping the sticky turf where everyone's yeah. going to tear the ACLs. You know, you're when your head coach oh, is, you playing. would have been so insufferable if you, if you were playing for the Niners going into that game. So, I mean, when your head coach is complaining that he's never seen, you know, so many injuries, I mean, that, that, that whole team was probably like, I don't want to play there. I don't want to play there. So they play, they get the win. They're happy to get out of there, get out of MetLife, get home, get to some grass. Yeah, so, it's, it's like the personification from a regular season standpoint of the fourth preseason game or like the last. Yeah, like, get me out of here. I don't want to. Get me out of here. And they somehow managed to win 39-6. to six. I will push back, though. I think the Rams probably, I think the Rams learned something about themselves. I think a lot of teams that, that are really good late in the year, they have that one loss that pisses them off early. But I learned that the Rams, I came away thinking the Rams are better than I thought they were coming into Sunday yep. because they moved the ball all day. It was just they didn't finish in the first half, and they showed toughness. So I'll go best. Uh, Could have easily been Chicago, but you know uh, I want to be respectful of our guy Mitch Trubisky because it wasn't a great plane ride for him, which is really awkward. I'm going to go Carolina. That was just they've, – they've been knocking on the door – uh, fun, fun ride. No yeah, no back McCaffrey. back east. They're probably hammering liquor the whole time. <laughs> I'd imagine. I mean that, that that flight was probably like a party. I, I hope, unless Matt Rule's not with that shit. And then I'll go worst uh, is the Jets. Ugh, I mean, they are bad. They need to they need to just fire that coach and just they need to give. Isn't Greg Williams a DC? Yeah. They just need to make him the interim head coach for the they, rest of the year. At least I think they'd play harder. I they, think they would. People play hard for Greg, and and also Greg's got experience as being an interim head coach. And I just think you need to rip the bandaid off sooner than later. I don't understand the whole sure. thing of like wait till the end of the year. You know, assess, see what you have, and if you're them, are you? Uh, and I'll ask you this question again for the Giants in a bit. But are you? Are you looking at at sunshine uh, down Trevor Lawrence if you, if you end up in the cellar? I mean, I guess so. I mean, look, they're gonna have they're gonna have one of the top picks. So, I mean, I think that core. I it's it's a tough one because you you go get sunshine. You have a quarterback there who I think if they if he had the the right coaching, maybe he would be a better quarterback because I've you know the one play he threw that touchdown pass. I'm not like, giving up on that kid. I'm not giving up on him yet. Yeah, so no, it's hard for me to say go for the go for long hair sunshine when you have a quarterback who I feel like makes some plays where I'm like, oh, he's pretty damn good. Like yeah. I don't know if I should give up on him yet. Because if you do and he goes somewhere else and it he ends up out, the yeah. next the next Favre or somebody crazy, you're gonna be like, Well, what the hell? We had this guy right here and we didn't have to go and do what we're doing here in the draft. So because the, the draft is a big question mark, too. I mean, you don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, no, no, no. I think everybody does this thing automatically where Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Hall of Famer, and we don't know, and I don't envy uh, Joe Douglas when it comes to making that decision in the midst of such a terrible roster that he inherited, too. I mean, that's just an untalented football team. No, man, nothing is fucked here. Nothing is fucked? No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain. Give me one team or player that we should panic about and give me one that we shouldn't panic about. I mean, I'm, I'm, if I'm the Falcons, it's full panic mode. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. like 
the head coach got to be, they got to, they got to start thinking like, what are we doing here? That's not working. We're losing, you know, these games in the third and fourth quarter. We're not finishing. We're not very tough. Um, you know, Matty Ice throwing picks at the end of the game when you should be marching down the field and putting yourself in position to win. I mean, it's, it's bad. So I'm going panic on the Falcons. Oh, yeah, it's over, dude. I, I think they're past panic. Um, I'll go panic maybe on the Titans' defense. They're missing some pieces from last year in the pass rush isn't very good because, like, it, it felt like you kind of made at least a tepid investment in your D-line and, and the front. Uh, and all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins looks halfway decent again getting yep. back on track against you. It's not a good sign right now. And they're a team that I'm really excited about. Uh, I was last year, but if their defense is going to play like that, the defense stepping up in the postseason is what allowed them to make that run. I would yep. panic a little bit if I were them. I already did the Eagles earlier. It was really ugly. I'm glad you missed it. That's probably the layup panic team. Give me a don't panic. Uh, I mean, you got to go straight from Billy O's voice. Hey, it's not, we're not hitting panic. So, I mean, I got to go Texans just because of the yeah. fact that they, they have a quarterback who I feel you can never count out. I think trading away your best receiver was probably a big mistake. And <laughs> I'm sure Bill O'Brien is probably thinking like twice about, should I really said I was going to do the GM and the head coaching job? Cause now you're getting it from both ends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So it's like, uh, for him, I'm sure it's extra stressful to see not only the way that the they're they started out, but um, you don't. Who's your go-to guy on offense now? I mean, well, you traded for yeah. running back. It was you good know, to you see traded for running back, but yeah. that's that's that can only get you so far. Like you, you see what Arizona is doing with Hopkins right now. Yeah, absolutely, and it hurts to watch. I'm sure. I mean. I was going to ask, are they the best 0-3 team in the last decade? But it's funny, the 2018 Texans, who ended up winning the division, uh, were undoubtedly better. The good news here um, is that I see a path for them. And by the way, that 2018 team was it was all one-score games the first three weeks. They've been outscored yeah. by 40 through three. They play the Vikings, Jags, Titans, Packers. Okay, if they can get to three and three before they host Green Bay, after Green Bay, they've got the Jags, Browns, Pats, and Lions. Out of those four games, Jags, Browns, Pats, Lions, I don't know. I don't think I don't see them being big dogs to any of those teams. If I was to set a line against you know Pats and Texans right now, it'd probably be four and a half. It'd probably yeah. be it'd probably be New England minus four and a half. So they're not that far off. Uh, and they just beat the Pats last year. I think they could they could get hot here. And Deshaun looked better yesterday. Cobb went off. Fuller had moments. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, so don't panic on the Texans. That's my don't panic. I like that. I like that a lot. So what's it like being a ghost? Ghosts are dead. I'm very much alive. Let's go Hollow Man. This is my favorite one. Have you ever seen the movie Hollow Man with Kevin yeah. Bacon? Yeah. And Rona yeah. Mitra, more importantly? Yeah, it's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so DJ Metcalf was almost hollow man. Uh, if there were fans there to warn him, do you think he? Do you think he sees it? I know that was too like he caught it and he was like, "There's no way this guy's touching me." And then boom, fumble. imagine being that good that you just feel like. I mean, I, I wouldn't wear a shirt if I was yeah, that ripped. Neither so would I. The guy's just a freak of nature. 
I was going to say, he was going to be my hollow man because when you're that good, like those plays shouldn't happen to you. Oh, it's bad. I mean, imagine they'd lose the game on that as tight as that race was last year. I mean, that could be the division. Um, Who who was your hollow man? I was going to say Metcalf. That's what what I was going to say. So it is Metcalf. Yeah, because just that fact, like when you're that good, like you don't, I can never think in my mind of a player that was that good ever having a play like that happen to him, you know? No. Like, Leon you can't Lett, think of like a big time receiver. Yeah, but you know, a big receiver, a big time receiver. Big re- yeah, like yeah. a big time receiver. Like they want to finish, 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 oh, finish. So. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I'm gonna go uh, the kid Tristan Hill in Dallas. You saw the dirty play on Chris Carson, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I thought that was dirty. I mean, I'm all about playing on the edge, but that's just like, hey, you're trying to injure somebody's lower body after a play that's just not a natural way to tackle i know some people are like oh you're throwing him under the bus i mean i'm just calling how i see it another thing he did is he uh extended a drive that ended up being a pretty big deal with that with that leaping helmet to helmet on russell wilson that just seems so pointless yeah have you ever had a bad penalty in your career that Mm -hmm. extended a drive or wiped points off or something like that yeah yeah i mean i I could think back to 2012 we're in the super bowl thank, oh. god, thank god they punted on this particular drive but it was like third and five i went to maddie p this is this is the bad part like i went up to maddie p and i said put me on deal david deal yeah on this particular rush because I'm, I'm i'm gonna get him i just felt it like i was gonna get him so i mean when you watch the tape i didn't jump off sides I did not jump off sides. When you watch the tape, the ball in my head are at the same exact point. So as the ball snapped, I went off with the ball, perfectly timed up, and everybody else was like a half tick. And yeah, you move. had a good get off. So it was perfect. Like you can't get any better. Yeah. So they threw the flag on me, and I'm like, no, I that look at it. No, there's that's bullshit. But then once you throw, throw the flag, it's done. So you know, obviously, I had to come like ran off the field after they punt. I'm like, like in that particular what play. What was the I, score I, at this point? I think we were up. Man, listen, I was so afraid of offsides we in the Super points. Bowl. We were up four points. They were driving. They punted to us. They We went three and out. We punted back to them, and that's when they drove down and scored. We lost by four because that was the that was the game where if uh, West just caught the ball, we would have yeah. won. Yeah. Because the game would have been over. Like, we could have just – scored or kicked the field goal and it's out of hand that was the indianapolis super bowl that that was a rough trip for me as well i mean that was not a fun place to party so i i could uh, imagine how you were feeling i also was i'll go to st elmo's and have some spicy shrimp cocktails don't say say that to mcafee hey listen i was so petrified of when i finally got on winning teams i was like man it's awesome we're gonna be in the super bowl i was like oh you could also really screw up the super bowl too yeah, like, or you could be like make one play that people talk about. For dude, your hold. when I hit Matt on his legs and it ended up being a hold, I thought for a solid. I don't know if you thought this when it happened, but I thought for I five for... seconds that it was a low hit. <laughs> oh man, I'm so That's nervous. Like, I mean, like for example, the Colts Saints game. Yeah, that onside kick, the surprise onside kick. Yeah, I think Hank Basket. He was the one that missed it. Oh. How about the guy for Green Bay that missed the kick, uh, the onside kick when Seattle went on that long run? Yeah, so it should have been Green Bay should have won. Yeah, that game, and we would have played Green Bay in the in the Super Bowl, which I don't. 
I'm happy we didn't see Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Thanks but, to that guy. How about the fly on the wall? One meeting you'd like to sit in on or I want to know the true feelings of Bruce Arians. Like I want to know like the closed door talks that he has with the GM. Yeah. About like Tom and Rob and like because with his crazy interviews where he was just literally like, yeah, Tom screwed that one up. He threw a pick. That's all on Tom. Um, and then just talking about Gronk, like, yeah, well, we're not throwing the ball to him 50 times. You know, do, do, do you think he resent? Do you think he kind of resents the autonomy that Tom had? That was like my little working theory that like Tom, hey, you brought me this guy down the here power. out of retirement. Yeah, like the why? Power. Yeah, the power. The power. Because at the end of the day, I don't care who you are. Most of these head coaches, they are like on power trips. So yes. they want to be in charge. They, you know, like they're the alpha. I tell you to do yeah, something. I don't care how but, cool you are. Like you're still, it's like presidents. You got to be psychotic to be a president. No matter if you like the president or not, you have to be a psycho. You kind of have to be a psycho to be a head coach too. Yeah. So when I think about that or what Bruce was saying early a couple of weeks ago, it makes me think like, well, maybe it was the GM who brought in these guys and the head coach is just working with that. You know mm -hmm, what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, because he's really quick to say, yeah, well, Gronk isn't as fast as he used to be, you know, Gronk's a tight end. He's not a receiver, which I mean, with what he has done in the past, I mean, I, I wouldn't, you want to give it to Rob because of how good he was in the past. Like well, it doesn't it, matter. It just felt like you could have said that in, in a way that was just, Hey, however he can help us win, that's why he's here. It's not always going to be catching the ball. Like exactly. there's just a way to say that. And especially a week after Tom Brady, and I got that part like a little bit more because Tom might like tough. We talked about that. But the Gronk pile on the next week was funny. I Listen, I'd love to sit on, on that Drew Brees and Taysom Hill quarterbacks meeting. Taysom fumbles the ball, and then they go to the sideline. And Drew's just staring at his tablet, won't even look at him. Taysom keeps looking at him like like – yeah. Can you tell me it's okay? Can you tell me it's okay? And he wouldn't tell him it was okay. I do want to sit in on a Joe Judge meeting with uh, ownership hey, and Gettleman. Hey, look, we're, we're, hey, we're going to reflect. We're going to reflect. We're, look, Jersey's a hardworking society here. We're going to work. <laughs> hey, look, we're going to work. We're going to come in every day. We're going to work. We got to restart practice. We're going to restart practice. I don't, get, I don't care, man. Hey, listen up. Listen up. Hey, <laughs> when the guys come to the locker room, they're going to respect everybody in there. We're going to play for each other. We're going to play fast. We're gonna look like a, we're gonna look like Jersey. We're gonna be hardworking. We're gonna hit Yo, people. It's like you've we sat might, in on a Joe Judge meeting. We might punch somebody in the face if we really have to. But <laughs> look, hey, listen up. I could say more, but you know, yeah, he's gonna, I don't wanna, yeah. Listen, I just want to know what's happening when he talks to Gettleman and the owner about are we tanking? <laughs> like, because that's a question we had the same question with Darnold. Are you gonna? Are you going to look oh. – I, I would look a lot harder in that situation. Yeah, no, I, I look, I, I think that right now, if you are a first-year coach in these crazy times, it, you're just – you might have the first overall pick because you had no preseason. You had – you know, like the team doesn't even know your coaching style. But what you do know, you do if you get there? What, if you get the number one pick? Yeah, what if you do – what do you – I asked about Sam right Donald. What way, about Danny Dimes? He traded away for two number ones. And where does he end up? I say San Francisco. Oh, San Fran, huh? Danny Dimes to San Francisco? Danny Dimes? No, I'm saying I'd keep Danny Dimes. You trade the pick I, away. 
I traded the pick away. Okay. I would pick away because bodies are more important than the number one pick to me. If you feel like you have a quarterback that's serviceable, that's the question. And I would love to know behind closed doors, do they think that Danny Dimes is the guy? He'll show me sometimes that he is. It's hard to really give him an evaluation to your point with everything going on up there, but yep. he does flash at times. What happened out there, Dada? Let's go. What happened, Dada? What happened out there? What's your What's the craziest shit you saw this weekend? Dude, I couldn't I got nothing. Watch. I couldn't watch the Raiders crack toss on the DNs. The Raiders defensive front, the way that they played the running game made me scream. I was screaming at the television. I was watching the television and I was screaming at it. The Patriots ran a crack toss about 12 times. And the DN was in a three-point right. zone in right. tunnel vision. Yeah. Motion, motion, motion. Wow. Take out everybody. Outside run. 20 yards. 15 yeah, it's like yards. they never seen it. Like, get a crack alert. Yeah. Stand up or look at the guy and hit him in between his eyes and freaking flatten the receiver. It's only Harry. Harry couldn't knock me. Harry couldn't block me right now. Okay. You, you have to. You, the rule. The rule on a crack toss. The way I was always taught to play it is widen that wide receiver and take him straight to the sideline. You don't cross his face till the till the ball crosses the wide receiver's face. But you gotta you gotta dent him backwards. You take a step and you turn and you put your forehead on his forehead and he cannot take that. Yeah. Because he's a receiver. Yeah. You stop. You come. You hit him right in the face. He's doing the old man fall, yep. and you just keep driving him, and yep. you try to put his body into the running back. Yep, yep. That's what you and, do. of course, you need a force player to make that tight for you. I'm going to go probably very aptly my what happened at that moment is I gave out the over in the Patriots game uh, on DraftKings for our Greenlight Gambling Show, and then I forgot to get the bet in. So on a day where I was in the red, I'm sorry, son. You know, I think Christmas this year is going to be all about minimalism. I, there's a lot of kids that don't that don't get a lot on Christmas, and uh, yeah, you just, to get, just no, might be one of them. I used to get used shoes. Used shoes. <laughs> Let's go, St. Louis Rams Memorial Award. This is a guy that's balling out in obscurity. I mean, I, I want to say the kicker Guskowski, Stephen Guskowski, is is killing it right now. Yeah, that's your guy. In the first the first actual week there, he missed four kicks. So I feel like, you know, in the kicking game right now is struggling no matter who you are. Um, but I don't want to give him that. Struggling. No, cuz he's not obscure. He's like uh they yeah, talk he's about not it. Obscure. Let me let me give you one. Nick Mullins. Is it Nick Bones' job to lose? No. No. <laughs> Jimmy G's going to come Jimmy G's coming back as the starter. Like they don't pay yeah. you that much money to be a backup. They don't pay you that much money to let the no, backup. You're right. Up. I'm fucking with so you. No matter what you do, you could go out there and throw ten touchdown passes. The second Jimmy G's back, they're gonna put your ass back on the bench because you don't make enough money to be the starter. Let's go viewing party. I'll start. I think it was really funny to see Tony Romo watching Jason Witten play football in front of nobody in Foxborough for four million dollars. And Why Tony's making playing? 19 in the booth. Why is Witten playing football? Like, his arms have deteriorated into just skin tubes. Like, <laughs> he, wears, he wears the bands on his arms, and it's like just a flat white arm. And, uh, like, he has no bicep, he has no tricep, he has no shoulders. I'm like, and he shaved his head. So he went from, like, the booth with, like, 
like a toupee or something. And then he just shaved his head. Like he just took all the hair off. My man is going through a lot. The only thing I can hope for him is that, that, uh, that Las Vegas is good because I would hate to just thinking about being retired and how hard it would be to come out and like yeah. go play physically, yeah. mentally, emotionally. Like you went from making money, talking about the game to saying, fuck this. This is the most difficult thing in sports commentating it. And then Tony in the booth, like, hey, old friend, what are you doing down there? I mean, give him a, like, just give him, like, I don't know. What do you do? Every do time you do? I see him catch the he ball, I, every time I see him catch the ball, some young 23-year-old headhunter comes down out. and just tabletops him. And I'm like, fuck, dude, so get him I out saw of here. Him get when I saw him get tackled uh, the game before the Patriots, somebody took his knees out. And, like, when he hit the ground, he, like, rolled an extra. I know the one. <laughs> He like rolled twice, and then when he got up, I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "Get up, Jason!" Oh, I love oh, the guy. Cool. He's 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 a legend, but it just sucks. It it just sucks. Like, but maybe this is what he wants to do. I mean, maybe he loves football this much. You know, there's those lifers. Let's go game balls. Uh, I'm gonna split a game ball between Teddy and Matt Rule. Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, meet somebody that has something negative to say about Teddy Bridgewater. I, the guy has taken every role he's assumed and ran with it. Maybe Joe Brady and him uh, are a pretty competitive pairing. Um, but when it comes to Matt Rule getting his first win, I love that he didn't make it about him. He deferred to his players in the losing streak. He said, hey, this isn't about me. These guys in here have been battling through 10 in a row in the loss column, and this was about them. And I thought that was big because you and I both know coaches get carried away and he won it without CMC. He won it without two Charger pieces that he got in the trades. They were competitive their first three weeks. I thought it was a great win for them. So uh, game balls to Teddy and Matt Rule. I got a couple. So I'm going Rex Burkhead, three touchdowns. Ooh. I took a pay cut. I'm sure he's really happy about that now. Um, yeah. they, they, cut, they cut your pay down, and then they up your reps, and yeah. then you score a bunch of points for them. Um, and then I'm going with a couple guys I played with. All right. But Gaskowski, the Steve Gaskowski six for six on his field goals right down the middle and wins the game winner yeah. or puts him up by a 55 yard field goal. He doesn't wear socks anymore because he missed the first game. He said, I had socks on. I'm taking my socks off. Now he doesn't wear socks to kick the football. Good a little bit weird. Good for him. But I'm just, you know, like I like to see guys, you know, when they get released somewhere and they, they kind of don't, join a team during the off season. There's the question marks. Like it was, we had talks like, he's like, should I still play? I don't know. Like, I, I think I'm going to give it one more go. And then he moves to Tennessee just because that's where his family's from. And then he signs with the Titans. That's so I like a cool. Him. Yeah. It's a cool little story. He's a good dude too. He is a good kid. So I mean, he's, he's, he's not a kid, age, man. So. He's fucking old, old man. as fuck. He's an old man. He is old. He's a good dude. Yeah. So I'm happy that he was able to not only find a nice house in Tennessee, but sign with the Titans. And then, you know, he's been really good since that first game. I know that sucked. Still yeah. won the game for yeah. him at the end. Yeah. Yeah. What a big turnaround for him. He just said, I talked to him after that game. He's like, I just feel so old. <laughs> That's yeah, what he well, said. Because you are. <laughs> but you know, you're a kicker like, too. Walk, you can do this a while. You walk in the locker room and it's just like everyone's looking at Because, you know, the kickers, you know, the guys aren't really going to. A lot of the younger players are like, why is there a coach in the locker room? Stop spying on us. Yeah, like, what's up with your gray hair and your beard? <laughs> <laughs> and then they're on the sideline like, oh, fuck, that dude missed that kick? I thought he was a coach. Well, it could be worse. You could be full from the yeah, Patriots. Yeah, yep, could have full grays. Anything past 40 yards, it's shanked or pulled. 
He missed the PAT. That wasn't good. Never good when you miss a PAT. There you go. Those are the game balls. Uh, and uh, Ninko took care of his buddies. Uh, it's always yeah. great having Rob. I should Nikovich. not do that. Should I not do that? Should I say screw them? No, I love you taking care of your buddies, man. That's why you're a good friend. Yeah, I'm a decent guy. You know, yeah, okay. and you stepped up. You took care of me today. You stepped in because Macon's out of the out of town, and we needed something to break up the monotony of me monologuing games. So thank you. Yeah, I brought the flowers out for you. Yeah, you got yeah. the Hawaiian shirt. Uh, looking uh, looking sharp, man. We'll we'll hope to get you back on soon. And um, again, you can catch Ninko on pretty much anywhere you, you watch football on TV. He's a real superstar yeah. at ESPN right now. So no big deal. <laughs> yeah, thanks. All right, buddy. Yep, I'll see you. See you, bud.